Isn't that love when you can ride nine extra floors? That's love right there. You know, it's interesting when we see a story like that, even though they step on each other's sentences a little bit, it's neat to hear their story. You know, um, Janet and I have enjoyed being with you this week. I'm flying solo right now, and uh, she's going to come up in a little bit. But we've just enjoyed being with you and thinking about this idea of unity, that God has called us to something, and the idea that we're still better together. Um, I think that might be there. Better together, and to work as a team, that God's called us to be a marriage team. Now, I'm kind of curious, how many of you have uh, done any kind of home improvement? Any home improvement folks out there? Okay. I'm curious, how many of you have a project that's open right now? Yeah, okay. Anybody got a project that's been open for maybe a couple of months? Yeah, okay. And maybe like uh, six to 12 months, anything like that? How many don't think they'll ever finish? Yeah, <clears throat> we've had a number of those. Matter of fact, my wife knows your pain, especially if your husband's the general contractor in your home. So I'm the general contractor in our home. And what's interesting is that I will tell my wife oftentimes when I start to do something, I'll say, honey, I'm doing this, I'm a public speaker, that's what I am. So you're gonna get the quality of work of a public speaker. So you gotta make sure that you understand that. One of the things that we had to do for one of the remodel projects that we did was to put in some new, uh, a new panel, electrical panel. And the reason that we needed to do that is we needed some more circuits in our house. And the idea was that as we were adding some of these um, things in our basement, one of the things that we needed to do was just kind of create more space to add circuits as we built out the basement. So our particular electrical panel didn't have enough room to add them. So I had a friend help me. We took out the old panel, put in a new one. This guy was an electrician. He knew what he was doing. Took off the meter, took out the panel, connected all the uh, existing circuits so that way we could have power to the house. He said when you go to add the other circuits, when you're bringing the basement online, you got to make sure that you remember this is a hot panel. This is connected. So be careful. Like, gotcha. I'm a public speaker. Know exactly what you're talking about. <clears throat> so I looked at his work, and I'm just watching what he did. You cut the black one over here, and the white one over here, and the bare copper wire over here. And he did a beautiful job, all these nice right angles and stuff. And he's using these pliers to make his crisp, clean right angles. So I can do that. So I start connecting a black one's over here, white one's over here, bare copper wire's over here. So I'm going along and I'm trying to make it look beautiful like he is. He was just a really beautiful electrician and how he made everything look nice. And after about five or six, I'm like going, people get paid for this, really? I mean, you're just putting wire here, wire there, you know, that kind of thing. So I come to this next one and I put the black wire here, the white wire here, and I grab the bare copper wire and I go to put it into its spot and it's <laughs> big old sparks. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I think, and what, what did I do wrong? Am I holding the pliers wrong? You know, did I put it on the wrong hole? No, the only ones go here. So, you know, I felt like it was in that game operation. Uh, we played as a kid, you know, remove wrenched ankle. <laughs> well, I thought I need to be careful here. So I, I double checked. I thought, you know, maybe I was just holding the pliers wrong. Let's do it again. I'm a public speaker. That's what we do. We just try it again, right? And so I made sure I had rubber sole shoes on, made sure I wasn't standing in a big puddle of water, you know, make sure I had the hands on the pliers. So I go and do it another time, and it's even bigger. <laughs> Flyers go flying out of my hands. And I can hear this faint cry from upstairs. Is everything okay? <laughs> and so I said, okay, this is obviously above my pay grade. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So I call my friend over, who's the electrician. We come back, and we start to look at what was going on. And what he saw and showed me was that the two main wires coming into the top of the panel, where all the electricity is coming into the panel, 
there's about less of a 16th inch gap between the panel and the sheath, the covering. And the wire that I was holding had fallen across both of those, and I had in one single wire all the voltage for my house. And if those of you who know what I'm talking about know that I almost could have been killed, or could have been killed. The only thing that was protecting me, as I talked with an electrician last night uh, over dinner, was the rubber that was on the handles of those pliers. That was the only protection I had from all of that electricity. And you know what that taught me as a public speaker? <laughs> that electricity's tricky, okay? Secondly, hire somebody, okay? It's worth the money, right? But the third thing, there's this tremendous amount of power that's coming into my house. That for my house to operate that the way I want it to operate, though, to bring light, to bring heat, to bring air conditioning, to plug in refrigerators, to live our life, we've got to have this power that comes into our house. And what's interesting is we've been talking all weekend about these great ideals about marriage, that God wants us to reflect him, his unity, his loyalty, his love. He wants us to overcome our flesh, the world, and the devil. This is huge stuff, guys. How are we going to do that? Well, the thing is, God has given us his power to live out all the things that we've been talking about. Matter of fact, he wants us to access his power so that we can have the kind of life that he's designed us for and to have the kind of marriage that he's designed marriage to be. Now, think about this. If the power of God can raise a dead man to life, what do you think the power of God can do to a dead marriage? He can work. And you know, as we talk about this idea of the power of God, there, there's two groups of people that come to my mind when I think about the power of God. First of all, there are those who understand it and are learning how to walk in that power. But there's a second group who don't really get that. They don't really understand what that means. They maybe have an idea of God, but you don't really know what that means to be connected to him in that way. And I want to address both groups. First, I just want to talk about those of you who kind of don't really understand what that means. Maybe you know you're here and you don't really know God personally. You really grew up, maybe you grew up in a religious home like I did, but it wasn't personal to you. And there's things that I want you to understand, and Janet wants you to understand, and guys, to come to Hume Lake and not understand who God is, is not right. And so the thing is, some of us in this room aren't connected to him. Some of us here don't have a relationship with him. And that's why it's hard to see this unity in our marriage. And the thing is, we need to understand that God has designed us to be connected to him. He's made us in his image and in his likeness. And you know, when you stand at the lake and you look up at that mountain and you're hit with the beauty of God's creation, there's, there's something that hits you. There's something like, wow, there's something big here. There is something big here. It's the God who created this. And he's masterful, he's powerful, he's beautiful, but he's also personal. And what's interesting is when he looks at you, you are much more valuable to him than that lake and that mountain because you have the stamp of the image of God on you. And do you know, in his great kindness, every moment of every day for us, he gives us every heartbeat. He gives us every breath. He loves us so intimately, he's sustaining our life. And the thing is, there's some of us who don't recognize that. We don't acknowledge that. Man, I love the illustration about the football camp. There's some of us who are looking out the window and not respecting God. We talked about on Friday night, or yesterday morning, the idea that one of the things that's true about us as human beings, not only that we're made in God's image, but you know what? We've turned our back on him. We've all gone to our own way. We worship and serve the creature 
rather than the creator. We don't give God the honor, the thanks, and the respect that he deserves. The thing is, all of humankind has been cursed with this concept called sin. That on Adam and Eve rebelled against God, we inherited that. And if you don't think you've inherited that, and if you don't think that you're a sinful person, ask your spouse. (laughs) They might be able to give you some insight. Because that's one of the things that's really unique about marriage. When you get married, you get a chance to see who you really are. And the thing, if you're anything like me, you don't treat your spouse the way God wants you to treat them all the time. You don't treat your kids the way God wants you to treat them all the time. You don't treat yourself the way God wants you to treat yourself. And we don't treat God with the love and respect that he deserves. There's something missing. We're not connected to him. We're putting him away. We're stiff-arming him. We want to be in charge. We want to run our own lives and do our own things. Let me ask you, how's that working for you? How's it working for your marriage? How's it working with your kids? And the thing is, God is holy. And that means he's righteous. He always does what's right. He's always loving. He's always moving towards. He never retreats. And the thing is, he looks at the way we treat him, the way we treat our spouse that he has brought to us as his precious gift, and he doesn't like that. There's things that we do that don't respect him or respect our spouse. And the thing is, every one of us in this room is guilty for not treating our spouse the way God wants us to treat them and not treating God the way he deserves to be treated. And because he's holy, he can't tolerate that. It'd be like if somebody came and just totally massacred your house, tore it apart, Burned it to the ground. Stuff that was personal, stuff that was yours, and treated it improperly. How would you feel about that? You'd want something to be done. You'd want some kind of justice. And so God, our creator, who gives us life and breath every day, sees the way we treat him and treat the gift that he's given us and says, that's a problem. You're going to have to deal with this problem. You are guilty. And the thing is, that guilt has caused this separation between us and God. That's why we're not naturally connected to him. We naturally demonstrate, no, I don't want anything to do with you. But God says, I'm going to separate you from a relationship with me. And if you don't take care of this, we'll we'll result in a place called hell. Because you've shown the whole life that you want nothing to do with me. And God will be right in sending people to hell because of the way we treat him. The way we treat who he's brought into our life. But the Bible doesn't end there. That's what's so beautiful and so powerful. God says, I see this about you but I want to make things right between us. I know you can't do it in your own ability, so I'm gonna come down and make this right between us so you can be connected to me, so you can know me in that personal way. You know, when 9-11 happened, as you look back on it, we're trying to figure out what was going on. It was all surreal, and we're scratching our heads. We're like, wow, this is crazy. And as the days went by, do you remember when people would walk around and you would see them on the news, they were holding a picture of somebody, like a family member, There are pictures plastered all on these cyclones fences. There's people who are holding a picture. And they're basically saying, have you seen this person? Because I still haven't heard from them, and I don't know if they're still alive or not. And right now, God is in heaven holding some faces of people in this audience. He's saying, have you seen them? Because they're not connected to me. And I want them to be connected to me. I want them to understand how to walk with me, how to worship me at that lake. How to have the kind of life and the kind of marriage I designed them to have. And the way he's done that is he sent his son Christ to take that death for us. The death that separated us from God because of our sin. Jesus said, I'm willing to take that death. I'm willing to die for you in your place so that you could have this relationship with God. 
And all we have to do is ask for it. Because there's nothing we can do to fix this problem. It's only Christ who can fix this problem for us. And he says, I'm willing to apply my death for you, that you could have this relationship with God, that you could be forgiven of all your guilt and come into this beautiful connection that you're designed to have. I grew up in a religious home, and I heard these kinds of messages, would go to church often, would talk to people about it often, but it wasn't a connection to me. It was a concept to me. And I grew up hearing this phrase a lot, Christ died for the sins of the world. Christ died for the sins of the world. I would say that in church. Christ died for our sins. I'd say that often. But what I didn't understand until I got to college was that Christ died for my sins. That I had to make this personal. And there's some of us here who still haven't made it personal. You might understand the big idea that, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross for the world. But if you applied that to yourself... Have you asked him to apply that to you so that you can be forgiven, that you can have a relationship with your creator, that you can be connected to his power? Well, if there's anyone in here that hasn't done that yet, I'd like to give you that chance in a moment. I want to give you an opportunity to say to God right now this morning, I want to be connected to you. I want to know your love and your power and your forgiveness, and I want to start a relationship with you that will help me understand you better, understand marriage better, understand family better. Well, how do you get that? You just ask. You just ask. You just ask him. And how we ask is we just pray. It's that simple. And what I want to do is just offer a prayer to you that you could say to God, if you would like to start that relationship with him, if you would like to be connected to him, to leave this place knowing that you began a relationship with Christ, I want to lead you with that. And what I'm going to do is just ask us all to bow our heads, just out of respect for others who are around you, and to think about God. And I'm just going to say a prayer, a simple prayer, a phrase at a time. And if this reflects your heart, if this is what you desire, if you want this, then say this to God. It's not so much the words you're saying as much as it is the attitude of your heart. What role do you want God to have in your life? Let's pray. Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Will you come into my life and be my Savior and Lord and help me to be the man or woman you've designed me to be? In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple. It's, it's like when you meet somebody. Have you, anybody meet anybody new here this weekend? Yeah, it starts with a simple meeting, doesn't it? <laughs> And it moves to just keep getting to more time with him. And that's the same way it is in our relationship with God. Some of you met God for the first time. Some of you met Christ for the first time in a personal way this morning. That is awesome. But it doesn't end there. Keep learning. Keep growing. Tell your spouse. Talk about the decision. And the thing that I'd love to encourage you to do is pick this up. The Bible, if you're not reading it, if you don't have one, stay in a hotel and steal it. No, you're not actually stealing it, right? Yeah. They, they put it there for a reason, so if you're staying in a hotel, you can know you can take it. It's okay, all right? But I'd really encourage you to start with the, there are four stories, or excuse me, four books or chapters about the life of Christ. They're called the Gospels. The Gospel means the good news of, and there's four uh, accounts of the life of Christ. I'd encourage you to pick up the Gospel of Luke, because in it, you see the Christmas story that you're familiar with, but you can start to learn more and more about who this person is. You got the big picture. He's God. He's died for your sins, but learn more about him. 
Grow in your relationship with him. Because the more you do, the more he's going to be real to you and be real to your marriage. There's a second group when we think about this idea of connection to God. And that might be some of us who, you know, Ben, I, I remember coming to camp once a long time ago. And I kind of remember in something like that. But I'll be honest with you. I'm not really connected to his power. I believe certain things, but I'm not really connected to his power. I'm not really seeing him help me on my daily life. I'm not really seeing him help me in my marriage. And that's why I want to talk to the rest of us for the, for the rest of this session. The idea then is really understanding how is it then that we get his help? How do we find this sense of power in our daily life? And this is where we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit himself is God. And the few things that we want to work on is like, first of all, who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? First thing, the Bible teaches us clearly that he's God. Remember, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's not cast for the ghosts, okay? He's not some sidekick. You know, he's not just some invisible puff of wind. He's actually God himself. What's so amazing is the Bible tells us also that he dwells in us. He dwells in each person who knows Christ personally. Look at these verses. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Paul is writing the church in Corinth saying, the Holy Spirit lives in you. When you became a Christian, or if you asked Christ in your life this morning, you know what you got? Boom! You got his presence in your life. You now have his constant presence in your life because of becoming a Christian, God puts his Holy Spirit in us. And he does that in dwelling us. Um, yeah. The second thing that we need to understand is that he's God's pledge to us. In other words, kind of a down payment. What do you do with a down payment? A down payment is just you're saying, okay, I'm going to give you this money, but you know what? I'm going to give you the rest of the money eventually, right? When you pay a house, they'll say, give us some money as my promise that I'm going to give you the rest of the money. And the idea is that God says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit as a pledge to say, what I've started in you, I'm going to finish. That what you started here on earth is going to continue on into heaven. That's my pledge. In 2 Corinthians 1, it says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God who has sealed us and it gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. God hasn't left us as orphans. It's not like we prayed this prayer and he's like, Okay, prayed the prayer, you're in, now you're on your own. It's like, no, no, no. I want to journey with you. I'm going to be in you and I'm going to finish what I start in you. And so as a believer, we need to understand that and keep coming to him, not keep asking him to come into our lives. He's in our life because we've asked Christ to be our savior. And the last thing is that he's the one who will help us live the Christian life that we're called to. If you're not familiar with um, this passage in uh, uh, John 14, oh, I missed it. I'm overclicking. That's what it is. Um, yeah, this is great. It says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Isn't that crazy? Jesus says, it's better that I leave. Just see how the disciples handle that. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, man. Can you just stay around for a little while longer? <laughs> you know? Can we just kind of keep coming back to you once in a while? Can we call you on the phone when we got a problem? He says, no, no, no. It's better that I leave. Why? Because I'm going to send the helper and he will be with you forever. He's going to live in you. He'll lead you, guide you, help you, empower you. And I love the, the name. He's the helper. Do you know what that means? That means we need help. <laughs> How many people in this room need help? Raise your hands. Absolutely. 
But I don't know about you, but I came to Christ saying, I need help. And then it's like, okay, I'll figure this out on my own, <laughs> right? I'll do this in the power of my flesh. I don't need you anymore. No, no, no. The helper says more about us almost. And the term is so beautiful. The term is this idea that someone is called to come alongside of us to guide us, lead us, convict us, empower us to live like Christ. That's just beautiful picture of him coming alongside. When I was doing these remodel projects, uh, there was a guy that I know that uh, he came over and was checking out my work a little bit. Uh, I had to put in some egress windows to allow people to escape if there's a fire in the basement. Smart enough to hire a guy to cut the holes in the basement uh, walls. And so I framed up the windows so I could put in, or framed it up so I could put in the window. So I asked this guy to come over and check out the work, and he looks at it for a while, kind of stares, and goes, 2528370. I was like, man, is that a formula? Was that a ge geometry thing that I missed? What, is it a code? He says, it's my phone number. Call me. <laughs> you know what my friend did for a living? <clears throat> he was a master carpenter. He was semi-retired. And he looked at my work and said, this boy's going to need some help. <laughs> so he said, call me. I want to work with you on this project. And he helped this public speaker learn how to do things like framing and do some wiring and do some drywalling and do all kinds of stuff. He came alongside of me to help me build this beautiful basement that we enjoyed as a family. And God's Holy Spirit wants to come alongside of you in your marriage and help you build the kind of marriage he designed it to be, one of unity, one of reflecting him. So that's what he wants to be about. And more specifically, it's interesting about why he came, just like I've been saying, I want to give us a couple verses about that. He wants to help us. Remember how we talked last night about the flesh, or this, yeah, yesterday morning, how powerful our flesh is? God's spirit wants to help us to not live by the flesh, to not do things that are going to be hurtful to us in our marriage. He wants us to live by his Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul was saying. He said, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. He goes on with his list. But do you see the picture he's painting? He's saying now as a Christian, you have an opportunity. You can either walk in your flesh, or you can walk with the spirit. So he wants us to help help us overcome this natural tendency that we have to constantly put ourselves first, to constantly be about ourselves. He wants to help us. So the Spirit of God is there to teach us how to walk like him and to reproduce the life of Christ in us. This is a great verse. Um, I keep overclicking. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was at the bottom, I think, there. Talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to reproduce the life of Christ in us. Look at the bottom there. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Would you take a moment and look at that list of the fruit of the Spirit? Can you find just one of those you'd like a little more of in your marriage? Pick one. Because you know who produces that? It's the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to try to act this way. I want you to you know, work out enough. Or if you just had your diet right, you'd be able to do all these things. No, no, no. This is the fruit, the evidence of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to reproduce the life of Christ in us. That's his job. And I don't know about you, but man, I'd love to have all of these more in my life. So the thing is, how do we allow him to do that? It's beautiful because as we allow him to do this, he's going to teach us 
and lead us to forgive the way he forgives, to love the way he forgives, to be loyal the way he forgives. He will produce that in our lives. Several years ago, I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and uh, we went to college together. He lives in Southern California, and uh, we were in each other's weddings. We've been very dear friends. I've known each other for over 30 years. I just talked to him a couple months ago. We stay in touch. And about 15 years ago, as we were talking about his life, I said, hey, what's going on, man? He said, it's been really rough. And I said, really? How come? He said, I went on a jog uh, on the beach a while back, and uh, I was jogging, and I just kind of praying about different things. And as I was jogging, I, I heard this idea that I need to tell my wife. And he said, I just kept jogging because I'm not going to do that. And then kind of a little bit later on as he's living his life and driving to work and thinking about things and kind of was praying about a couple of things and he again got this idea, he said, you need, you need to tell your wife. He's like, ah, nope, I can do that. <clears throat> so he kind of kept going on with his life and God would just gently say, you need to tell your wife. The Holy Spirit just kept saying, there's an area you need to talk to your wife about. He said, God, there's no way I can do this. <laughs> I am so afraid to tell my wife about this. I don't have the courage because if I tell her about this, it's going to really, really hurt her. And I don't know if I have what it takes to kind of repair the damage I'm bringing into my marriage. I can't do this. The only way I can do this is if your Holy Spirit helps me have the courage, the power, and the hope to do this. And what he had to tell his wife about was his problem with pornography. He's an elder in his church, four kids, and this thing kept persistently kicking his tail. And God says, it's time to deal with this. I want to help you. I want to reproduce the life of Christ in you. So he trusted God and told his wife. And he was right. It really, really hurt her. It really hurt her. She was even devastated. And as she heard the story and spent time and was frustrated and angry and hurt, she said, God, the only way that I can forgive him, the only way we can repair our marriage is if you help me if you change me, if you give me the ability to love and understand him and care for him and see his perspective, that's the only way. And they spent time with people, they got counseling, they were in a small group, and they will tell you that God brought them all the way through that. A lot of us get stuck in the middle and things fall apart. But they would both say because of God's spirit enabling them to forgive and move forward and be patient and all the stuff we talked about. That's what the Spirit of God wants to do. He wants to reproduce the life of Christ in us to have the unity that he's designed for us. Well, let's get practical on the last idea here. How do we get his help? Well, first of all, we gotta understand that when it comes to asking God for help, we're not asking for more of God. It's not like you only got a little bit of God as a Christian, and now you gotta figure out what's the formula to get more of him? Because I feel like I only got 2% of him. No, 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 no. You have all of the Holy Spirit in you as a believer. The question is, does he have all of you? If, you have, if you're in a car, you don't have your phone with you to play songs. Is there a radio format? Like if you had to use the radio, is there a radio format that you're not going to listen to? A station kind. Who, just call it out. What, what would you not listen to on the radio? Rap. 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 Okay. Fox News. News. Fox News. Okay. <laughs> what else? Not either, but no. Sure. Just news. Okay. What else do you don't listen to? Sports, okay. Anything else? Rock. Rock? What? I miss it. Talk shows, talk shows. Well, let me ask you something. Even though you're like, I'm not going to listen to those things, do you think by you not wanting to listen to them, they don't exist? Of course they exist. You're just not dialed into that station, right? Well, God is right here, right now. The question is, are we dialed into him? 
God's present at every fight you have. Every time you give each other the silent treatment, he's right there. We have the opportunity to dial into him or not. So this isn't about, I need to get more of God. It's more about, are you willing to dial yourself into him? Second thing is this idea of this growing in this understanding of allowing God's spirit to help you. Guys, this is a lifelong process. This is a lifelong process of coming back to him and coming back to him and coming back to him. And we experience his power by yielding our lives to him. There's a really, really unique verse in the book of Ephesians that Paul talks about. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Dissipation is a sense of disloyalty, uh, kind of living a a crazy life. It's it's not being loyal to God. And it's interesting because he has this comparison and a contrast. He's saying... Something that's similar, alcohol is a controlling substance. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit can be a controlling substance. Alcohol can affect you. God's Spirit can affect you. So he's trying to give us this analogy of how the Holy Spirit actually works. He really can affect you over time. And how does a person get drunk? Usually it's sip by sip, drink by drink. You know, some of us might be chugging something, maybe not in this room, but people can chug stuff to get drunk fast. But it's little by little, sip by sip, and it's by decision by decision that we are allowing God to control us and fill us. Uh, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I don't know if you've been there, but it gets really hot in the summers. And as a kid, there's a season of uh, the summer where it's going to be 115 degrees or hotter for like almost two weeks. Every day, it was hot. Well, my dad was a dentist, and uh, growing up, we didn't really have too much sugar in the house because he was a little bit of a sugar Nazi. You know, it's like, there will be no sugar in this house. Sugar is very, very bad for you. You know, so like, okay, sorry. No Cokes, no nothing. Well, we made ice cream one Friday, and uh, we were like, wow, we get to make ice cream. Okay, that's good. And it's the old-fashioned kind. We got to hand crank the thing forever, and then you put it in the freezer for 24 hours. And so we made it on Friday, on Saturday, we're like, Dad, can we have some ice cream? We made it Friday with Mom and everything, and uh, it's super hot. He's yeah, that's great. Like, wow, okay. So we get the ice cream out. He's scooping the ice cream. He's kind of throwing it in the bowl, and we're having fun. Sometimes he missed the bowl, and we put it back in there. You know, it was just a great time with my dad. Well, guess what? The next day, it was 115 degrees, and we still had ice cream. And he said, Dad, is there, man, can we have ice cream like we did yesterday? That was so much fun. And he said, what are you talking about? We're like, Dad, don't you remember we had ice cream and we're having so much fun, you're throwing the ice cream and a couple times you missed it? He goes, what are you talking about? You see, that Saturday, my dad was drunk. He didn't remember any of that because he was under the influence of alcohol. And God says, I want you to be under the influence of my spirit. But as we allow him to have access to our life, to yield our lives to him, What's going to happen over time, little by little, we're going to be under his influence. And that's how he's designed this. And as we grow under his influence, guess what? We get more of his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all the stuff we need to have the united marriage that we want. So that's what it means. And how we get there is, first of all, by desiring it. And this is where I would come back to that question. You might understand this up here. You might understand it. Actually, the question is, do you really want him to be in charge of your life? Do you really want him to be the president of your life or just resident? He's there for emergencies. He's there for maybe, okay, I can get into heaven because I, I, I prayed the prayer. I got him. Do you really want him to be in charge? And that's the question that's right before all of us. And what that means is that we have to be willing to yield our lives to him. We have to be willing to say, hey, I did the wrong thing. I need to apologize. 
And how do we get his help? We ask for it. How do you get help? You ask for it, right? It's nothing magical. It's like when you're in an argument, you say, God, I need your patience. Will you give me patience? God, I need to forgive my spouse. Will you help me? I need your love. Will you help me? We just keep asking for his help. We keep giving ourselves to him. And the thing is, I don't know about you, but what gets in the way most of the time is me and my pride. I don't want to admit that I need help. Has anybody ever been to a chiropractor? Yeah? Okay. Maybe some of you are chiropractors. Um, I, I love going to the chiropractor, but the one move that they do that I don't like is the neck move. Have you had the neck move? Man, that always makes me nervous, right? I just think they're going to do like a Jack Bauer on me. <laughs> you know, kill me. Go for my wallet. Find out I got $3 in my wallet. And like, why'd we do that? That was dumb. But what's interesting is if you remember when they do the neck move, they get your hands right on your neck and they're trying to get you to relax. And I know what they're up to. And they'll start to ask you questions. So Ben, how's your day? I'm fine. Everything's good, yeah. So do you have any kids? Yeah, I got three kids. Well, tell me about your kids. Well, one's out of college and, you know, I'm just like, I'm resisting this the whole way. And you can tell they're just kind of waiting. They're talking, trying to distract me. And when they feel that nanosecond when you relax, you're like, oh. Yeah, you check to see if your head's still there. Like, <laughs> it's not on the floor. You're like, wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, there's something in our hearts that just resists the Holy Spirit. We say, no, 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 no. Because you're going to show me stuff in my life. You're going to call me to do stuff. You're gonna... We say, no. And he can't work. We're not under his influence. And so the thing that we need to keep learning about is how do we bring him? How do we bring our lives to him? How do we keep saying Will you help me? And the thing is, he wants to. He wants to fill your life with his, the reproduction of the life of Christ in you. Well, as we bring this uh, session to a close, you know, the thing I think we're just trying to communicate is that when we want to get unity in our life, we need some help, don't we? We need some resources. And God has given us the resources of his Holy Spirit who lives in us, who wants us to learn how to allow him to live in us and be under his influence so he can live through us and love each other the way he's called us to love each other. You know, the other resource he's given us is the church. He is given us the church, his body. You know, Janet and I have been in small groups ever since we've been married. And I can't tell you how much it means to us to be around other Christians who are willing to talk about their relationship with Christ but also talk about their failures in their marriage. There's something empowering about that. He's given us places like Hume Lake, places that allow us to get deeper with him. So God is all about us being more unified in our marriage and knowing him personally. And he wants us to learn how to let him resource us through his Holy Spirit. You know, this entire weekend, Janet, come on up here. We've just had such a great time being with you. Uh, this is our first time at Hume Lake as well. Uh, the Andrews have been amazing hosts, and David and Leah and the team have been wonderful. We've had a chance to just talk with a few of you over meals. I wish we had a lot more time. But it's just been a great time to see how God uses this place, the beauty, but also the relationships. And the things that we've tried to talk about this weekend is just this concept that for marriage, God's designed us to be a team. And that as we understand that and work on that, we really are better together. He's made man and woman for each other and for marriage to reflect his unity. And we've talked about that. We've talked about the challenges. Yes, about, we have. <laughs> yeah, why we need to protect it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just love this last message because honestly, I think it, if there was only one message to give, it would be this one. 
because otherwise everything we have shared are just tips and tricks hmm. that you'll go home, try to do in your own strength, bang your head against the wall and feel like, okay, this was a waste of time. Hmm. And if, if God is not the number one relationship in your life that you are pursuing daily, then you won't have the kind of marriage that he created you to have. So I'm glad it's the last message because hopefully it'll stick. <laughs> you'll have more, you'll be thinking about it more and um, we'll give you good things to talk about in your ride home. Yeah, and we can't stress enough, guys. And when we talk about this, it might sound simple. You just mm -hmm. yield to the Holy Spirit and boom, it's done. Mm -hmm. This is an ongoing process. And just like we talked about that piano last night, Man, it's try, fail, try, fail, try, fail. That's the Christian life. It's always coming back and saying, will you help me? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the thing is, we want to encourage you, on your drive home, just to talk with each other a little bit more. What, what are some things you learned about God this weekend? You know, what are some things you learned about marriage this weekend? Maybe it was new or a different angle. What is it that you learned about yourself? But talk with each other and enjoy that conversation of the things that God did in you and wants to do through you this weekend. Well, we like to pray for you. Can we do that? Father, thank you very much for this weekend to be uh, away from the rat race, the distractions, the hassles. And I know as we start to get ready to leave here, all that's going to start pressing back in on us. So we ask that you would help us to, to reflect on the things that we've learned this weekend, that you would help us to hold on to one or two truths that we want to apply to our marriages. And Father, I pray for anyone who has started a relationship with you this morning that you would really help them know that you're real, that you have entered their life, that you would help them to grow, talk with their spouse about that, help them to learn more about you. And Father, please help all of us to learn each day how to ask for your help and live under the influence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.